This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to the Human Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the Human Animal Connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the Human Animal Connection. Hi, welcome back to the Human Animal Connection. I am host Mike Overly, and I am with Jeannie Joseph. Jeannie, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about principle number six in the Human Animal Connection, which is love beyond words. And this is where we explore how sharing love with an animal changes both of us, changes us and changes the animal. Yeah. Wow. Let's go. I can't wait to hear it's, about yeah. it. Yeah. So what, what is it about animals that elicits pure love, right? So sometimes we have an ache that only an animal can heal. What does that look like? Yeah, well, it's, it's so interesting because sometimes we need words and words are really important and, you know, to be human is to have words, but sometimes we need this other kind of love that is beyond words, that is, doesn't need words, that is just visceral, it's just tactile, it's just visual, it's just auditory, but not with words. And this can touch us in ways that Sometimes words can't, and I'm not in any way against words. I'm a writer. I just wrote a huge book, right? So this is not an anti-word conversation. This is a conversation about and, you know, and how else can we experience love at, at the nonverbal level? Because the great thing about the nonverbal level is that it bypasses the thinking mind. And the thinking mind, of course, is as humans where we can get into all kinds of trouble, where we can dwell on the past or obsess about the future, just beat or beat the living you-know-what out of ourselves. So um, having this love that doesn't involve talk can be a very powerful way to enrich your life. And I, th I think it was uh, the guy who wrote The Little Prince who said, your soul is not awakened until you've loved an animal. Wise man. Yeah, wise man. definitely. <laughs> so what does it mean to love beyond words? Like in the grander sense, what does that, what does that look like? What does that mean for us? Yeah, well, you know, as humans, we struggle a lot with words and, you know, do you love me and what does that mean? And if I say I love you, it means one thing to me and it means something different to you, perhaps, you know. So it gets very, very complicated when we bring um, words to try to uh, jumpstart the experience of love. And sometimes what we need to do is just be in the body, just be in the experience. And animals help us do that. They just bring us into the present moment where we're not so concerned with narrating and and you know getting the story on you know getting each other on the same page word wise it's it's just a level of pure presence and that experience where we really see an animal and an animal really sees us really does something that heals us in ways that words can't that's amazing that's fascinating i, I think that takes me back to the idea of unconditional love right there's yeah. there's no expectations on either side Right. Right. There's there's no stories shaping what that looks like. It's just being in it. Yeah. And I think, you know, some people, sometimes when people hear the word unconditional, it becomes like this unreachable thing. And the truth is, is that love does have conditions, you know, unless we're saints, you know, if we're in this human experience, 
we are going to have conditions. We want our dogs to behave a certain way. We don't want them to behave a different way. So those are conditionals. But I think that um, we can keep striving towards the experience of just deeply appreciating the animal for who they are, you know, what their unique purpose is and for what they bring to our experience. And one of the reasons why it's so wonderful to be with animals is that they do relate on that level. They do see us just as our essence, just as our nature. And they don't care how much money we make or what the color of our skin is or, you know, where we went to school or any of those outer things. They just are really interested in what's right here, right now between us. And that's that connection. Yeah, love that. I absolutely love that. So, um, you had mentioned um, during our conversations an author who I absolutely love, Jeffrey Masson. Yes. Um, and he wrote, um, he's written a number of wonderful books, but one, yeah. Dogs Never Lie About Love. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what is unambivalent love like? I'm not familiar with that term. Okay. So I, I just, this is a term that I was just using, but it, basically the concept is, is that animals have the ability, you know, as humans, it's like, well, I love you, but I hate this about you, or I love you. Or I wish you were different in this way. <laughs> you know, it's not that I don't love you, but I, I just can't stand this thing you do. You know? <laughs> you know, it's very complicated. We have this, you know, love for us is like this really, it's like a minefield. It's got good stuff. It's got fear stuff. It's got controlling stuff. It's got, you know, nurturing stuff. It's got all of it. So it, it's very confusing for us lots of times, but dogs is like if they love you they love you they're not ambivalent they don't love you but kind of hate you or you know they, they just love you <laughs> you know they're not annoyed with you the way you pronounce words or whatever it is you know they just they're just here to have a very pure experience and and the name of that book the dogs never lie about love meaning they they don't fake it you know they either like you or they don't you know they can you know they can be afraid of certain people but if they love you they love you and that's very clear. And to have that, what you know, in heart math, they would call that a coherent experience, meaning that you know you're you're completely in alignment. Your heart, your soul, your mind is is functioning as a single unit. And animals are more likely to be in that coherent state if they haven't been traumatized. Of course, if they've been traumatized, then they're having some of the challenges we're having. But but if they're you know re relatively healthy, they're in a state of of pure experience. I love you, you know, or I. I, I, I like you or I'm curious about you or whatever that, that particular experience is, it's very complete and full. And in human in interactions, oftentimes our encounters have mixtures of things. You know, we have a boss that we maybe respect, but we don't like, or we hate, but we are fearful or, you know, there's a lot of emotions, even though we come in and be nice and, and, you know, interact in ways that are appropriate, which is good choice at work. But, <laughs> but the fact is it can, it, it takes a toll on our nervous system because it puts us in an incongruent state where we're not able to express what we really feel and be truthful to our, our own, what our body is saying. And being with the animals, since they're more often in that state than not, they really help us do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced that myself. We, we've talked about Darby. Um, who's, he was like my, the catalyst for all this change in my life. And he could bring me right back to that place yeah, so quickly because right. he was already there, right? He could attain that state so fast and he would help me shift myself to that place. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat the way, well, I think one of the things that animals have that really can help us understand ourselves is they have often more emotional flexibility than we have. Like they have all the emotions that we have, but they can move quickly through one 
state to another. So they can go from fear or irritation and then you give them a treat and they're completely happy and in love again, <laughs> you know, or throw a toy or give them a pet and all of a sudden whatever it was that was scaring them some noise outside and they can um, choose or whatever you would say the word is, I, I'm going to use choose. They would choose to be back to this moment, back to what's happening right now, even though 30 seconds ago there was a big scary noise out there or a bad smell out there or something else. They can very quickly choose a good experience, something that feels good. And that's something that we can really learn from them is to be able to um, switch emotional states with more fluidity. So it's okay for us to be angry. It's okay for us to be scared. It's okay for us to feel guilty, but we need to not stay in those states. So like an animal, we need to move more rapidly through these emotional states so that we have more emotional flexibility, creates a more fluid state. I didn't watch the show, but my friend told me about uh, Ted Lasso, and he used to have a saying about be like a goldfish. And what he meant by that is in, in, in his use of the metaphor, goldfish only had a memory of five seconds. I don't believe that that's true. I don't know that that's science, but let's just say for the sake of conversation, goldfish have short memories, okay? The more, what he, the, his point being is that forget what just happened 30 seconds ago. This is what's happening right now. So that's a valuable lesson, whether or not it's true about goldfish, because I think one of the things we're coming to understand is that uh, fish do have memories. They do, you know, so it may not be like as long term as, as what we're used to. And I'm not sure what the length is, but point being is that they have the ability to just swim away from something that doesn't feel good and desirable to them and move towards what does. But I love those stories. Have you ever heard about the cleaner fish? Have you ever heard about them? Mm-mm. So there is, uh, I forget what, what they are, a breed of fish, but they sort of call them cleaner fish. And they will clean off the uh, parasites and debris and bad stuff on other fish. So these the fish will come to like their spot, you know, where this fish has sort of like a storefront, you know, in the, in the reef or whatever. And they will come to the cleaner fish that does the best job because occasionally these cleaner fish will try to take a nibble of something that's not necessary for the patient you know and uh, of course it's not not they the the fish won't come back to that fish (laughs) so they remember who the good cleaner fish are who do the good job and they'll come back to that person even if or that person that fish even even if that fish moves to a a new location they'll find the one that they like so they make choices right so i don't know how you can say that they don't have memory when we see things like that But, but anyway the point being is that that the notion of having a fluid relationship to your own emotions, that gives you permission to feel whatever you're feeling, but not to uh, dwell on it forever. So one of the things people are sometimes when I take them to my horse workshop called the power of presence, people are afraid to be near the horses because they know the horses can read their emotions. right? And they're afraid if they're angry or something like this or sad that the horse will take it on or not want to be with them or whatever it is. And what I explain is that the horse has no problem if you're angry. The horse has no problem if you're scared. The horse has a problem if you're angry, but trying to be nice or scared and trying to be bold. That's what's confusing for a horse is when you are not being authentic or in the heart math example, coherent with your emotions. That's what's tricky for them to process. So they have no problem if you want to come out there and cry. (laughs) That's like, okay, you're sad. (laughs) I can handle that. Or you're mad or you're scared or whatever it is. Just don't try to hide that emotion with some other behavior because that's really confusing to a horse. And a lot of people have been taught, you know, in the old world, you know, you have to dominate your horse and you have to show him who's boss and all that kind of stuff, that nonsense that comes from that 
that kind of thinking of dominance instead of understanding that this is really a relationship and it should be about cooperation. So you can be angry, but just be angry for a moment. Don't try to hide it with pretending that you're sweet when you're not feeling sweet, you're feeling angry and that's okay. You can be angry. So that the notion of um, emotions as being just pure energy, just energy, different frequencies of energy, and that we can move through these energetic states gives us a lot more freedom and, and power over our own emotional life. Well, an immediate um, thing comes to mind is when a dog, um, let, I'll use Indigo as an example, we're out and she gets, you know, hackles, withers up over another dog she doesn't know um, coming towards us. And then after we pass, you know, ah, she shakes it off. Shake and, it off. Right? Yeah. Shake it off. And shake it off is a beautiful thing. Go. Yeah. We're going to do a whole um, episode on shaking because oh. I really believe it's one of the secret, secret healing tools. Um, that animals, you'll see this in the wild when, an, uh, when a prey animal has been maybe stalked by a predator and they escape and they get to a safe place. The first thing they do when they're in that safe place is shake it off. And what they're doing, it's really wise because they're shaking off the cascade of stress chemistry, the adrenaline and the cortisol literally has to be moved out. It can't just be like, okay, everything's fine now. Life is good. You know, they can, you can't just talk it away. It's, it's, it's a chemical reaction in the body. And so the shaking, and you'll see dogs do that, this like one, two, three, quick shake. Sometimes that's all it takes. They don't have to stand there and shake, you know, in terror. But it's that quick shake off that helps them reset their nervous system. So you never want to stop a dog from shaking. And you always want to thank a dog for shaking because they're showing you this beautiful example of, okay, I was scared or I was stressed by that situation that other dog over there but now i'm okay i'm gonna shake it off and i'm gonna enjoy the rest of my walk and that's what we can learn to do we can learn to say okay yeah there are these things that scare us that make us mad that confuse us that frighten us all this stuff and we can have that experience and then we can shake it off we can choose to come back to right here right now yeah yeah I w i've worked with my some of my clients on that and i teach them to do this and see what the energy feels like when their dog does it because it, it's, you know, electrochemical, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but I talk about it in the form of energy and what it does to discharge that, right? We're trying right. to remove that, that charge of that state, whatever it is. And we can, if we can discharge it, whether it's the dog or us, then that opens up room for something else. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is part of being a good human for your animal is, is paying attention to these moments and they're not, bad moments, but they're just, we want to be paying attention to, okay, that was stressful and now we're shaking it off and now we're good. And it can help us understand that. And that's really important when we work with the therapy dogs, for example, in class, we're working with teenagers and uh, a lot of them having tough times. I mean, it, remember how tough teenager years were for us, but it's 20 times harder for them with what, you know, school shootings and COVID and death. It's just such a hard time for teens now. And so when we bring the therapy dogs in to work with them, we watch really carefully and we'll see sometimes different dogs. Our class is only an hour. But we'll see different dogs. They're not going to ready for the full hour. They're at 45 minutes or whatever that time is. They've had enough. Mm 
And we just need to pay attention to that and give them a chance to have a break. And sometimes having a break is just going outside the circle or just turning away or turning to us or withdrawing a little bit. And we want to give them the freedom to do that because we know that that's important. And in this particular school that we're in, it's it's a you know fairly long walk back from the from the library where we meet to the car. And that walk is so important because that's they get to sniff, they get to be at their own pace, they get to choose whether to stop or, or keep going or whatever. And that walk, that little walk uh, really helps them to diffuse the energy. And usually by the time we get to the car. Sophia gets to the car. She's just so happy to be in the car. She was so happy to go there. She couldn't wait to get out of the car and go work with the kids. But after that hour, she's had enough and she's ready to just be in the back seat and relax and chill and maybe get a treat. And, and it's beautiful to watch those cycles. So they can be very present for kids until they're full. If they've taken on too much energy, then they need to diffuse it. And as the human, you want to be the one to be observing and seeing, well, when has that dog had enough? And we had one dog who's still a puppy. We don't normally have puppies as therapy dogs, but we're training uh, the woman who's working with this dog really hopes that he'll be, uh, this dog will become a therapy dog. So she's a little young to be in class, but she's in this period. Uh, she's 10 months old. So she's in what's called a second fear cycle where it's very easy for them to be overreactive. And so the other day in class, uh, the person very wisely recognized that, that her dog was getting overstimulated, it was kind of acting badly, you know, but it was just because of just too much stimulation. And she took the dog outside. And that's just perfect. You know, we really support that. We're not saying, oh, you know, you just you have to stay in the room for the whole hour. If, if your dog's had enough, your dog's had enough. <laughs> so that's good for them and good for us, because sometimes we've had enough and we can't always leave the situation, but we can recognize that in ourselves and make whatever adjustments we can, even if it's after the fact, after the meeting. You know, if we can't leave the meeting, but just recognize, you know what? I feel overwhelmed right now. Okay, I can deal with it later, but just recognizing that helps us to not be the victim of it, that emotion. Yeah, yeah love that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break here. Yeah. Hey friends, if you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, Check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we're back. Gee, this is outstanding. I'm having fun with this today. Oh, good. Um, so I wanted to talk about, we're, we've been talking about love, right? Yeah. And uh -huh. so I wanted to ask, when is love not enough? Yeah, so this is a real challenging one for people who love their animals and having an animal who's maybe getting ready to pass, who's at the end of their life. And maybe there is some illness or some pain or whatever. And you know, we, we hope that just our love will be enough to to make it right and to fix them and they won't have to leave and they won't have to pass. But that's when we as humans have to recognize that it's not just about our love. It's also about the destiny, the soul of that animal, that being. So it could be, you know, for some animals that it's time, it's time to go. And our love can sometimes be holding them back, like they're hanging around for us. You know, they don't want us to 
grieve and they don't want us to suffer and they know that their passing is going to, you know, trigger a whole lot of tears and, and they don't, you know, they feel like, oh my God, you know, I better hang in here as long as I can until I'm <laughs> just a thread of a of myself. And and so that's when humans have to recognize that they loving an animal also includes letting go of an animal. And that's one of the things that they have I, I believe that dogs in particular have come to teach us, dogs and cats, domestic animals have come to teach us is the notion of loving with all your heart, losing and loving again. I really think that that is, um, in my experience, you know, individual dogs have individual purposes, but that as a species, they really are doing that for us. And it can be very difficult. You know, people need time to grieve and I'm not suggesting that you run out and get a dog the next day, but a new dog. But when it's time, I think that that is, the the what they're what they're asking of us is this idea that we don't just have one love in us you know that we have multiple loves in us and people who've had many animals across their lives know that maybe one was just amazingly different and amazing but it's still you can love again and that is what they are here to help us mm. come to understand uh, it's true it is uh I had the most amazing experience when Darby passed about uh, my ability to grieve that loss. Yeah. And, and what I, what I got from that was actually, um, it was a gift. Right. And I mean, I still miss him. Right. Because yes. he was, he was fantastic. He was off his, he was nuts. He was fun. He was um, sweet and fierce at the same time, but he taught me so much about um, that. I didn't have to have him. Right. right. That, that I was right. able to love him fully, and then I'm, and then I need to let him go, right. so that I can make space for another animal. And then, yeah. um, it was uh, many months later, and then Indigo came into my life. But I, yeah. I, I don't think I would have been able to be there for her if I hadn't have made that room and allowed myself to grieve, Darby. Exactly right. You know, and I, I had one client that I was working with and she was a, a very um, neat and clean person. She had a beautiful house and she had uh, two greyhounds, rescue greyhounds and a potbelly pig. Right. But she was a very clean person and one of her greyhounds passed away and the greyhound that was left was just grieving. I mean, like just looked like this greyhound, the remaining greyhound was going to go soon after, you know, just so sad. And so she got another one, even though it was very soon after one passed and they were doing okay. But then she called me and she said, you know, the new, the new greyhound, whose name was Bree was pottying in the house. And this was after she would take the greyhound for a walk and go in the yard and get ready for work and right in the door plop, you know, <laughs> on her nice rugs. And she was just getting to the point where she wasn't sure whether she could keep this dog because this was just too stressful. These, these ridiculous incidences after being out, and doing that. And so I, she asked me to come and do an animal communication session, which I did. And what I asked Bree what was going on. And Bree said to me, she has no room in her heart for me. There's no room for me here. And I explained that to the client and she, you know, cried and realized it was absolutely true that she was feeling like if she loved the new dog, she was being disloyal to the old dog. You know, even though she knew that wasn't true, she still felt it on an emotional level. And once she realized that she hadn't really opened her heart to the new dog, the accident stopped 
and she made you know she said yes i love you i'm not giving you away you're here this is your home boom uh, 18 months later there were no accidents so um, this is really what we can do when we understand how emotions affect the animals and sometimes even ways we don't realize do you think there's a universal impulse to love animals i do and uh, you know obviously not everyone loves animals so maybe universal isn't quite the right word but i don't know what other word i would use so i would say that it's you know it is so deep within us well first of all we are animals <laughs> right so sometimes we forget that we think of them as animals and us as humans and as if it was a complete divide but the truth is it's just a a spectrum of animalness that we have our spectrum of animalness and a gorilla has their spectrum of animalness and a giraffe behind me has animalness you know so we're all animals in this and but what we were talking about earlier the purity of the love with animals goes beyond words it goes beyond well you're my husband or you're my wife or whatever function you serve in my life to just simply the experience of, of pure love so i think that it's very healing and as you know i've worked with over 4000 service members and their families working with animal therapy and i've just seen the ways in which animals can touch people in ways that would take me a lot longer you know it would take me weeks and weeks to do what an animal can do in minutes and that presence helps people come into right here right now which is where we need to be for our mental health how does loving an animal help us better understand ourselves? That's a good question. So I think that when we see the way that animals, I'm going to use the word choose, maybe some scientists would disagree with me, but I'm going to say animals choose the present over the past more often than not. So that doesn't mean always. It, I do believe that animals have memory and I do believe that they you know, can remember good and bad experiences. So it doesn't mean that they're always in the present. They're just more likely to choose the present over the past. And that's something that when we see them do that, we can take that invitation. Like you mentioned, Indigo, seeing a dog on a walk that's acting a little maybe too rambunctious or slightly not not friendly, not polite, uh, and that can cause indigo stress. And then when indigo gets away from that situation, it's like, okay, we're walking, you know, we're, we're happy. To, I'm happy to with my person, Michael, you know, and so shake it off. And so that's something that we can really learn for ourselves is the recognition. There are going to be whatever you want to call it, the bad dogs of life out there that startle us, disturb us, hurt us say mean things to us, disregard our feelings, invade our space, do all this stuff. You know, this is, this is what life is on this planet, right? And so having a mechanism to recognize, A, this is uncomfortable, I don't like it. This is causing a reaction in my body, letting ourselves have that feeling. And then when we're maybe in the moment that we feel safe or a few minutes later, or even that evening, whatever we can do, as soon as we can do it, to shake it off. And I know you're a fan of shaking. I've seen you do this. You'll just like shake yourself, just give yourself a little shake to tune yourself up. And I love that. I think that is just such a wonderful thing to do. And with the soldiers, we do this. We'll put on a song and we'll shake for three minutes. We'll just be like really silly and make noise and shake. And it's so invigorating. It's like when we want a cup of coffee, what we really need is, shake, is a shake. I mean, I like my coffee, but I'm just saying sometimes what we need is to just shake out the energy and tune ourselves up. Yeah, we could all use a tune-up. <laughs> we could all use a tune-up. Yeah, so I, as I said, we, we'll do a whole episode on shaking because it's such a, a powerful way to really 
get the energy moving in your life. So I'm really glad that we had this time together to talk about love beyond words. And in, in uh, episode seven, we're going to be talking about the language of touch connection. So I hope you'll all join us for that episode. Awesome. Jeannie, thank you again. So proud. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Human Animal Connection show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, Musings on How to Create an Exceptional Life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.